Welcome back to another volume of Truly Disturbing Tales from Reddit. Today we're going to be narrating three new unsettling stories taken directly from the platform. I encourage you all to sit back, grab a snack, and enjoy these terrifying personal accounts. Now, without any further delay, let's jump right in. This story starts way back when I was in middle school. I met this kid who I'll call Chase for anonymity. Chase was a new kid in my English class. He looked like a typical skater BMX type of kid. Long, floppy, Bieber-style hair, and wore shirts and hats that had the Monster logo on them. For the first week or so, we didn't really talk or interact with each other. At lunch, I would always see him eating alone in the cafeteria. I would just watch him sometimes. His mannerisms and the things that he'd do were a little intriguing to me for some reason. One day, I was coming out of the bathroom when I see him harassing some 6th grade girl and trying to get her to make out with him. It didn't register to me that what he was doing was wrong. I actually thought he was cool for doing it. I know, sounds bad. He looked over at me, smiled, and then walked away after the girl walked back into her classroom. The next day in English class was when we first began interacting with each other. I had to do a book report on Of Mice and Men, and when he saw me reading the book, he gave me his notes and told me to just copy his work but to change it up a bit so as not to make it obvious that I copied him. He said that the reading was really boring and that he just skimmed through the plot of the book and movie on Wikipedia instead of actually reading the book. I thanked him and was genuinely thankful as I didn't like reading that much either. I actually love that book now. Eventually, we would start hanging out outside of class and would have lunch together regularly. He told me he was interested in riding BMX bikes and motocross, so my earlier assessment of him was right, I suppose. I wasn't really into that stuff, so I just nodded my head and tried to act like I was genuinely interested in what he was saying. The whole time he'd talk, I'd just admire him for some reason. For what it's worth, I'm a straight male, never been attracted to dudes, so it was kind of weird being so drawn to him the way that I was. We started hanging out after school. He would come over to my house every day. At this point, he had completely won my mother over. He would always compliment her on the way she had the house decorated. He would compliment her cooking, and would talk to her about the show Teen Mom 2, which my mom really liked to watch. And apparently, so did Chase. Over time, I started going over to his house as well. I wasn't as outgoing as he was, so I didn't immediately hit it off with his family. But they were nice people, and I liked them all the same. Chase would always argue with his mom. One time, she told us to go hang out outside, because she didn't want us playing Grand Theft Auto all day. This seemed to really piss Chase off. And in one motion, he turned around and hurled the controller at her cracking her right in the forehead. I was sent home shortly after this, and as I was walking down the driveway, I could hear him screaming at his mother and calling her all kinds of horrible things that I won't even repeat here. The next day at school, he walked up to me at my locker and apologized for what happened at his house. I asked him if his mom was alright after being hit with a controller, and he said she ended up going to the ER to get stitches. He then said, too bad I had to do that, just to get the bitch to shut up. 
as more and more time progressed, I started spending more and more time at his house. His attitude towards me began to change. He would ridicule me for the clothes I would wear. I had a propensity for wearing black and wearing my favorite band shirts. In addition, he would call me an emo f**git pretty much every day. One night, when I was spending the night at his house, he said he wanted to play a game. The game was just called Hide and Seek Tag in the Dark, and he would be it. So first round, we turn off all the lights in his house, and I hide while he counted. Keep in mind, this was his idea, not mine. I thought it was weird that we were even playing this, given our ages at the time. Nevertheless, I find a hiding spot in a crawl space under the staircase, and I wait patiently. The house was pitch black, and completely dead silent. Let me just tell you that the atmosphere in the house was something straight out of a horror movie. I felt extremely uneasy, and I felt the hairs on my arms start to stand up. I couldn't hear a damn thing in that house, when all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I hear this creepy ass laugh coming from outside the crawlspace door. The door was cracked open, and I could see Chase peeking in. He says in a low whisper, You're f***ed, before yanking the door open and opening fire. A barrage of BBs are flying at me all at once. I didn't know they were BBs in the moment, so I literally thought I was being shot with actual bullets. The pop, pop, pop resembled an actual gun, so I was none the wiser. He had emptied an entire magazine into me, and I was in so much pain that I couldn't move. Once the pain subsided, I just left without saying another word to him. At school, he would stare at me and follow me to all of my classes. He would try to call me and text me, but from that point on, I would always ignore him. Eventually, he decided that it would be best to just leave me alone, and a few years went by before I heard about him again through a mutual friend. We were now juniors in high school, and this friend would recount a story that would both shock me while leaving me completely unsurprised. Allegedly, that chase kid shot his girlfriend in the face after dispute over a cigarette. After shooting her, he simply stepped over her bleeding body and walked out the door before going on the run. At the time that I was learning about this, nobody had seen or heard from him, so it was assumed that he was hiding out somewhere. Although to my knowledge now, Years later, I don't know if he was ever taken into custody at all. His girlfriend ended up surviving and making a full recovery, at least as recovered as you can be after someone that you care for shoots you and leaves you for dead. I find it extremely unsettling to this day that even in childhood, I was best friends with such an obviously psychotic individual. And Chase... Wherever you are today, I pray that our paths never cross again. This happened a little while back, when I was no older than 15. I'd just discovered the rebellious act of sneaking out. This was probably my fourth or fifth time doing so. And this one night, I decided to go and meet up with my boyfriend. At this point in time, we weren't together, but we did like each other. 
And you know how that goes. When you're with someone you like, you tend to not really pay attention to what's going on around you. The night starts out fine, and we're having a good time. I don't remember exactly what we were talking about because we had gotten pretty high, but I do remember what happened. We'd met up and gone to this elementary school that had a decent-sized field on it, with some hills and trees towards the end. It's important for me to explain this in order for you to understand how the things went down. From where we were sitting, we had a clear view of the school, as well as the school's basketball court. The school was illuminated from the side lights, so we could easily see if anyone walked by, but it wouldn't have necessarily been easy for people to see us. To our left was a little pavement path that led into a townhouse complex. So there we were, sitting there at the edge of the field, looking at the stars and talking about random sh**. When we start to hear the crunch of gravel coming from the school. Because we were high and paranoid, we immediately turn our attention to the illuminated basketball court. We watch as this guy walks by with his bike and doesn't seem to notice us. After he passes, we almost instantly forget about him and resume our talking, laughing, and overall, just being a bit too loud. Perhaps 10 minutes later, we hear that same crunch of gravel. So we go silent and turn our gaze towards the school. Once again, it's the bike guy. But this time, once he reaches the basketball court, he doesn't keep walking. Instead, he stops at the edge of the field we're sitting on and just stares out at it for maybe a minute or so, almost as if he was investigating where the noises that he heard were coming from. Now, we're a little creeped out at this point, so we begin packing up our things to leave. Then, this dude begins walking towards us. Once he stepped out onto the field, it became much more difficult to see him, as the light from the school only lit up so much. We take this as our cue to leave, and the only way to leave without being extremely visible is to take the path into the townhouses. So that's what we do. We try our best to be quiet, and we walk through the pitch black path. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Path that leads to the townhouse complex. Keep in mind that we are not sober at this point. So we're a bit extra freaked out. I checked behind us constantly, and for some reason could not shake the feeling that something bad was on its way to happening. We finally reach the end of the pitch black path and make it into the decently lit townhouse complex. We ease up a little bit and begin trying to find our way to the main entrance and exit, because that's the closest way out, besides the way that we just came in. We're walking through the complex and begin talking once more, when finally, we turn the corner that's going to take us to the exit. And just as we're about to leave, we see the same guy with his bike right at the entrance gate. We all stop for maybe two seconds. 
And that's when this guy drops his bike and darts right for us, insanely fast. I mutter a quick, oh, f and my boyfriend and I begin sprinting as fast as we can away from this guy. We turn random corners, go down little back alleys, not once checking behind ourselves. I don't know when or where we lost him, but when we became tired and took a stop behind some bushes, we both noticed that there was no man in sight. We stay in the same spot for about 20 minutes, doing our best to calm down. At this point, we've both been pretty much scared back into sobriety, so we decide to try and leave again. We begin walking through the complex once more, and when we make our way back to the main entrance, we can both clearly see that man's bike just laying where he dropped it. No guy in sight, but it's odd that he would leave and not take it with him. We survey the scene as best as we can, without full-on announcing our presence, when, after a solid minute of investigating, we make the decision that the coast is clear, and we better take the opportunity to leave now. Looking back, it was a sketchy choice, because that guy very easily could have been waiting and watching from somewhere nearby, until his chance to rush us presented itself again. We quickly crept by the bike and out the gate, all the while listening for any inkling that we were being chased. Luckily, nobody followed. We both made it home safely that night, but I'll never forget the feeling of my heart sinking when we saw a bike guy blocking our way out, and when he flung that bike and took off right at us. By far, one of the creepiest things I've ever experienced in my short life. While I have to keep this post very general, I have the need to share it. Long post and first timer, so please be kind. Also, keep in mind that I was 22 years old at the time of this happening, and not even out of grad school when it all went down. I'm a therapist, and while I was in grad school, I began an internship that provided group and individual counseling to a halfway house. This halfway house was run by a church and their well-meaning congregation, but it was a bit of a mess. After several months of working with them, I got a phone call from the quote, house parent, that said none of the residents were willing to attend group sessions if their new housemate would be involved. The house parent made some comments about typical house drama, so I wasn't too worried about it, and just told them to go ahead and bring the residents to the clinic, and I would work with the new housemate privately to figure out what was going on. I met with the new housemate first, and they seemed a bit reserved and untrusting, although nice. When I asked about issues in the house, they gave a small, curved smile and a raspy chuckle that was near a scoff. I pushed them a bit further, but all they would say was that the others were scared. We ended our session agreeing to meet weekly. I had the group session next, new housemate not included, to get a feel of what was going on from the others. When I walked in, I could tell that there was something seriously wrong. Their faces looked terrified, their general appearances were disheveled, and they were all looking anxiously around at each other. I asked what was going on, and no one immediately answered. 
They asked me what I thought of the new housemaid, and I redirected back to them. The anxious eye contact continued. I asked again, and reminded them that change and growth couldn't occur without honesty. Finally, one of them started talking, and here's the story from that perspective. We were told that we were getting a new housemaid that we weren't supposed to have much interaction with, and that they wouldn't be here for long. No one would give us any information about why the new housemate would be getting the only private bedroom or why they wouldn't be participating in class or group activities. They just told us to leave them be. This went on for about two weeks. Then they started letting the new housemate hang out and participate in things. The new housemate would make some strange comments that would make us feel uncomfortable, but we were to just ignore them. New housemate wouldn't sleep. They would always leave their bedroom after they thought everyone else was sleeping, head into our rooms, and check to see if we were actually sleeping by holding their finger under our noses. Then, they would leave and walk through the backwoods behind the house. Now, they would always be back in the morning, and we would tell the house parent, but that's when we'd be told to be quiet and to not talk about this with anyone. One night after dinner, we turned on the ID channel, and new housemate was watching with us. A few minutes into the episode, they got up and walked into the woods, which, like I said, is something they'd usually do super late at night. A few minutes later, we heard it. Their name in the episode. We couldn't be sure, so we went to the computer and checked. And that's when we saw that they had been convicted of torturing and murdering several women. There's more details to the story that I can't share here, but needless to say, my new client was a convicted serial killer that worked, tortured, and murdered at least three women in our area. This person was being led out on a technicality that affected several of the murders they were charged with, so they got released early on the condition that they lived under supervision. This particular halfway house was being paid to hold this person until a more appropriate structure was in place. After I had done my own research and confirmed, I went to my supervisor and professor, and the contract with that particular church and halfway house was terminated. Now, the icing on the cake? The next year of my life was absolute hell, as I was stalked, had my home invaded, my dogs injured, my house and car vandalized, and several survival items that didn't belong to me were found in my attic that made it look like someone had been living there. I would come home in the evening and find that the house would look different than the way I left it. The police came to my house over a dozen times through that year and did nothing. So my family hired a security team and installed cameras for me. Six months later, a perpetrator was arrested on my property and eyewitnesses and evidence linked him to the crimes. Perpetrator had been out of prison for just over a year on one and kidnapping charges. Now, I implore you to guess who was from the same small hometown as the man they arrested? My client. Edit. Here are some answers to a lot of the questions that you've posed here. This incident was over 10 years ago and my stalker is still in jail. 
I had just bought the house the week prior to all of this starting, so I couldn't really move anywhere else. I didn't have the money. Several friends offered to let me stay with them, but police and my psychiatrist believed that the stalker would follow me because he was already fixated on me. I have no idea if that's how it works, but I listened then. My brother, dad, and several friends rotated staying with me for several weeks. There was no evidence of a connection between the stalker and serial killer besides the town that they grew up in, but my brain sometimes begs me not to believe that. I lived in that house alone for another three years, then got married and lived there for two more years with my husband. I never felt at rest in that home, obviously. We're in a new house now, and with the help of lots of dogs, cameras, home security, and a great therapist, I think I'm doing much better. Though, I do have night terrors from PTSD on occasion. The reason I was told that they weren't stopping serial killer from walking was because they were about to be transferred and the house didn't want any big scenes or drama when the person was going to leave. Which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but whatever. In terms of who this person is, I left out or changed up two major details that would be easily googled to find out who they are. Happy hunting.